Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful day you have given us. A day of uh, great beginnings for something new that you are preparing for us. Bless us this morning, the word, that every heart receive it on good soil. And we thank you that through the spirit of wisdom and revelation, we might understand the will and purpose of God for our lives. We bless you, we honor you, and we praise you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. My conversion to Christ was dramatic to say the least. But there began a journey after that. That initial choice to receive Jesus. But my life had to take a journey of choices after that that would enhance and build my spiritual growth. If I had not taken those choices, then I would not be where I am today. It is the determination of the heart to seek after God. But it's not always the case where after we find Him, we accept what He has to say to us. So, finding Him is not the only journey aspect that we must consider. We must consider the kind of choices He then offers us to make, which if we don't, we will find ourselves in great difficulty, questioning our faith, questioning our position in life, questioning where we are at any given moment. And so let's pick up the text in Luke chapter 8 from 18 to 25 that speaks of this. Where Jesus is addressed by a young ruler, a rich man. And this rich man comes to Jesus wanting to know what he must do to be saved. Luke 8, 18 to 25. No, that's Okay, we know, we, know, we know the passage anyway, so let's get to it. The thing is that this rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, keep the law. And he said, yes, I have. I have kept the law and I've been doing it for a very long time since my youth. Then Jesus said, yes, you have. Now sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. So. This was a choice that this man had to make at that time if he wanted to continue on his journey of salvation. <clears throat> he didn't really understand whether he was saved or not. That's why he posed the question to Jesus. Obviously he had heard Jesus preaching and talking about the kingdom of God and must have realized that he wasn't saved. And he had based his salvation Luke what? Luke 18. 
Okay, let's go there. Look, thank you for that. And we begin at 18, 18. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one that is good, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear the Holy witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, Sell all that thou hast to distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? So, picking up on this situation that this man was facing, for him to continue in his journey of salvation, he needed to make a choice. Take up his cross and follow Jesus, or go back to his old life and think that he was saved. So it poses a question to us this morning as to what we have not sold or given away. What is it that you and I are holding on that stops us from following God into further salvation. One of the anomalies of the Christian faith is to believe that once saved, you are always saved. Because you have had a result from your walk with Jesus, you have achieved certain things, you've found good things happen to you, uh, you have called upon the name of the Lord, and he has answered you and so on and so forth but Christianity can become a ritual it can become a tradition it has no value to you after some time because it has somehow crept into your thinking that it is not any more dynamic it is not any more life-giving than what it has done up to this point in time and many such Christians then deviate from the path of salvation and they find other loopholes in the faith to say that they are Christians but they are not. They come to church, they pay their tithes, they even come to prayer meetings, uh, you know, they go about doing good stuff, helping people out, all that sort of thing, they do all of that. But in their heart they are not truly aligned with Jesus. Jesus is still not Lord over their lives because these other things have taken control of them. And they find it hard to give it up when Jesus poses the question to them and says, you know, if you want to further your salvation with me, take up your cross and follow me. Sometimes we go to Christ and say, but it is the very thing that you have given me when I asked you for a job, you gave me a job. When you asked me for a husband, you gave me a husband. When you asked me, uh, when, when I asked you for something else, you gave it to me. So why are you now wanting to take it away? And this is the question that is being posed 
to the church in the last days as to what kind of choices we are going to make in life that will determine our salvation and our alignment with Jesus. It is to take up our cross and walk with Him. But what does our cross mean? In terms of how it relates to Jesus. In my ministry, I find that I am dealing mostly with Christians or so-called Christians who go to church. And I find that they are mostly in a wrong place. And the reason I can determine that is by the kind of counsel that they seek from me. So I say, how is it that you have come to this wrong place? And then as I investigate in the root problem, the situation that has brought them to that place, I realize that they had made bad choices. That there was a time when they had the opportunity to make a right choice, but they made the wrong choice. So they ended up in that situation which they are now confessing to me and asking for counsel or direction from. And it puts me in a position of only being able to tell them what the Word of God says. I can tell them no more, I can give them testimonies from my life or other people's lives, but I always bring them back to what the Word of God says. Now when the Word of God speaks, just as Jesus spoke to this rich young ruler, He's again going to give you a choice. Accept the word that I give you, or go your own way. So there is the possibility that you could accept the word, but not do anything about it. And you still keep walking your own way, waiting on God for an answer, but the answer has already come. But you've not accepted the answer because it has demanded a choice that you make in order for you to further your salvation. Many are in the wrong place in their marriage. Many are in the wrong place in their jobs. Many are in, their wrong, in the wrong place in their prayer life with God. So what do you mean? Well, you pray wrongly. You don't know how to pray, so you pray wrongly. You don't know what to ask for, therefore you're asking wrongly. And then when the word comes, and the answer comes, we don't take up the choice of the right answer when we should be telling the Lord Jesus. Because after all, you know, if we have given our lives to Him, He determines our path. Right? The King's heart is in the hand of the Lord to direct it in the way that it should go. That doesn't mean he can't, he can't direct it in any which way he wants. Don't get that mixed up. Okay, if he wants to enforce his will, he will. He knocked Apostle Paul off the donkey when he was Saul because that man had made the wrong decision to go and persecute the church and he got knocked off the donkey. 
He killed Ananias and Sapphira because they decided to hold back money which they had promised to Peter. Not to Peter, but to God. Wrong choice. I have seen countless hundreds of people in my walk, including me, making the wrong choices. And then going and crying to God and saying, Lord, help me and get me out of this situation. He says, son, first and foremost, you need to repent. You need to understand the source of your problem. The root problem is your pride. The root problem is your stubbornness. Your root problem is the I in you. That you cannot accept the true I am and what the true I am is saying to you. So you determine it because it's there before you. You want it. It is desirous. It looks good. And it, you think it's from God. And you want to push it till you get it. Because to you, to get it means that it has been approved by God. A result is not necessarily an approval of God. He says, go your way if that's what you want. And we work it out in our thinking that a result is something from God. I have walked long enough with God to realize that results really don't matter so much as doing the will of God. Now Jesus found that out in the Garden of Gethsemane. After having walked this earth for 33 years, done miracle signs and wonders that no other man had done, come to the Garden of Gethsemane, completely depleted of everything, and he had to make a choice to go to the cross or not. And the choice was connected to our souls, to his inheritance. But in order for him to gain his inheritance, he had to make a choice to die for it. Question I ask you this morning is, are you willing to die for what God's choices are in your life? What are you holding on to that you have not given up when he has spoken to you? You see, I, I get really disturbed when people keep asking, saying, Lord, you know, uh, uh, Pastor, you know, we need revival. And they tell me about revival and they tell me all about the wonderful works of revival. And it bothers me much. Because I see they don't do anything for us. I see they simply talk about it. Or they say I'm praying for it. There was a, a great man of God called Charles Finney. But wherever he went, revival happened. I mean, when I talk revival, we're talking, you walk into a town and tens of thousands of people get saved. That's how powerful he was. But you know the secret of this man's success was not him. It was another man who went before he went into the town and went to a rock and wept tears and tears and tears for the salvation of that town. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right now. And he wept, and he wept, and he wept, 
until God said, yes, I will give you the souls. That, my friends, is praying for revival. That, my friends, is dying for revival. It's not about getting up there and saying, yeah, I've got so many results. No, it's what you did to get the result. Was it because you died to yourself and allowed God to be God that brought your result? Or was it something you worked out as a methodology through a gift or some other way and got the result? The day is coming, I'm telling you, I'm speaking to you prophetically now. The day is coming, the day is coming. When very soon it will be upon us to make a choice as to whether we will still be a Christian or not. If we are still alive on this earth, when this happens, we will have to make that choice. Daniel was in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, not by his choice, but by the determination of God to allow Israel to be captured by Nebuchadnezzar and he was one of the men chosen by Nebuchadnezzar to be a man in his presence, a man of learning. But one day his enemies decided that they would somehow stifle this man because he was getting promoted and decided to corner him through a edict that they decreed that anybody who did not worship this statue that Nebuchadnezzar built for himself would be put to death. Now, Daniel was a man of God. There was no question about it. He had already made his choice. He had already decided who God is. Who have you decided is God? Yourself? Perhaps. I wouldn't put it past myself to be caught in that position without even knowing that I have made myself God by the decisions I take, by the choices I make. Derek Prince used to say that you know that you become the judge, like you give a courtroom scenario of all the people waiting for the judge to come and then after getting tired of waiting, somebody gets up and sits in the judge's chair and says, well I'll be the judge because the judge is not turned up. No, it's easy to put yourself in that position of self. And say, I will, I will take this decision. If God is not going to answer that prayer, I will take this decision. And that puts you as God, not God. So Daniel was faced with a situation. But he had already made his choice as to who God is. So as usual, he opened the window and made it public that he was praying three times a day. And they got hold of him and they put him in the lion's den. But Jesus, our God, was with him. Till the time that God wanted to be with him, he was with him. And that day is coming for us. When you will be asked to make a choice whether you really stand for the faith you believe in. That which has now, up till now, possibly even worked for you. It is not an unrighteous working, but a righteous working. You have been good. 
You have done what God has told you to do. You have walked the way God has wanted you to walk. It's got nothing to do with that. It has got to do with now. Who you believe God is now. When you have faced with all the scenarios of evil around you. When Jesus said the bulls of Bashan have surrounded me. He meant to say that he is without help. Daniel was without help. But he had decided. And so will you and I be asked to decide. On our faith very soon. Very very soon. And God forbid that we are upon this earth when that happens. But it will come suddenly. It won't come suddenly. It will come step at a time. Amen. That's what you've got to watch out for. And if you are found being contrary to what the law says, you will go to jail or you will pay a big fine. But the day is coming because God Himself is bringing that day. God Himself is bringing that day. The trials of our faith brings promotion and position with God. Amen? Yes. Soon as Daniel came out of that lion's den, he was promoted. He got position with God and he was promoted in the kingdom and he was a powerful man doing the bidding of God all the days of his life. You and I need to understand something. Don't build your kingdom upon this earth. Don't build your kingdom upon this earth. Who knows what is coming tomorrow? None of us. We don't know. So we will have to make the choices now. That when those things come, that you have already predetermined that you are going to walk with God and you are not going to compromise. But Israel had compromised and had lost their way along the way. So much so that the rulers, like King Ahab and Jezebel, had infiltrated Israel with Baal worship. And now they had nearly 850 prophets that were promoting the gospel of Baal. And Israel was being seduced to worship something that was not God. But it had the insignia and the seal of God name upon them. And that's what's happening to churches today. They have the name and seal of God's insignia upon them. They even have the so-called the, the understanding of the Holy Spirit, but it is not the Holy Spirit. And they're worshipping a Baal that does not belong to God. They're worshipping self. Primarily, the number one worship of man is self. Until he dies, till he takes up that cross that Jesus told the rich young ruler, you will worship and he will worship the self. You know, Elijah was minding his own business. And God spoke to him and said, Go up to Mount Carmel and call the king and all of Israel there and I want to challenge them today. 
And you know what Elijah said? He said to King Ahab, I have come at the word of the Lord. Now he was hiding and they couldn't find Elijah. So Obadiah was sent to find Elijah and when he found Elijah, because God said to Elijah, go, that Elijah exposed himself to Obadiah and Obadiah said, you are trying to get me killed if I go to the king who has been searching for you everywhere and the king will kill me. He said, why are you trying to do that? He said, go and tell him I will meet him in Mount Carmel. I'm coming in the name of the Lord and in the word of God. Whose name are you going to go in? When a government challenges you, when a, a local who says you can't pray for me challenges you, whose name are you going to use? Or are you going to back off? I don't know. That's why I'm saying to you, the choices are going to come to your doorstep. So Elijah challenged Israel and he said, choose ye this day. Choose ye this day. Today is the day. Choose. Because if you miss out today, there won't be a tomorrow. For you. Maybe there will be a tomorrow for somebody else. Maybe even evil people will have a tomorrow. But you will not have a tomorrow. Because God has decided that today is the day. He said, don't harden your heart, for today is the day of salvation. And we say, oh, we say, but the Lord, Lord is speaking to us and saying, take up your cross and follow me. And he said, no, we don't want to. And that's what we're doing. We're hardening our heart and we are diminishing our salvation. To the point where the devil will steal it. God never honors anything other than faith. He does not honor intellect. Get rid of your intellect. Throw it in the bin. There was a man in Melbourne, mighty man of God, he's still there. And he had started a prayer meeting that was getting caught, you know, people were all over the country coming to it. So another prayer group that had been established for a long time and wasn't going anywhere, decided to bounce on this and say, now we want to take this and make it one of ours. And they got to his pastor. And they said, pastor, ensure that this man submits to us and that we will now join together and we will have this big prayer thing going all over Australia. And he was all over the place. Very nervous he became. And I was in his house, staying in his house at that time. And I was reading my Bible. And the Lord said to me, tell that fellow, <laughs> he was the prophet, mind you, okay? Tell that fellow to take his intellect and throw it in the bin. And I quoted him, how when Peter was called up before the Pharisees and the rulers of the synagogue, that God put the words in Peter's mouth, and that he would deliver this man as well. And he stared at me. I said, well, I'm only telling you what God told me. That's all. Next week, he was listening to Benny Hinn. And Benny Hinn said, if you, want, if you think you have a reputation, he said, take it and throw it in the bin. <laughs> it means nothing. And this man tweeted. And he said, okay, Lord, I submit and I yield to your will. And that takeover never happened. 
That takeover never happened. Look, if you want to do spiritual warfare, you've got to know how to do it. Paul says, don't wave your hair, hands in the air aimlessly without any purpose. It's useless, it gets nowhere. Couple of days ago, we uh, destroyed the enemy. Completely destroyed the enemy. Because I, I said, no. You will not do what you are trying to do to us. I raised prayer overseas. I raised prayer here. We destroyed the enemy. He dissipated. He disappeared. He became powder. Choosing this day who you're going to serve. You're going to let some guy walk over you? Are you the owner of the land? Or is he? Choosing this day who you're going to serve? That day, Elijah killed 450 of Baal's prophets. He should have killed the Lord, but he didn't. And Jezebel chased him. And that's why I say to you, when you go after the enemy, make sure you destroy him. Don't, don't leave limbs or anything left. When, when, when uh, uh, Jezebel was destroyed, God had already prophesied over her life, that she will be eaten by dogs. And guess what? You know what dogs are? Demons. But physical dogs came and ate her. There was nothing left of her. Possibly only a jewelry. Dogs don't eat jewelry. <laughs> Choose this day. She chose wrong. They have chose wrong. Many men in the Bible chose wrong. You either worship the living God or you worship yourself or something else that the devil is offering you through the world. That's up to you. <laughs> I like your testimony. It's not about the healing. It's about intimacy. It's about coming closer to God. That's why I choose to serve God, because I want to come closer to Him. Because I know what His love can do for me, what His presence can do for me, what His goodness can do for me, what His provision can do for me. I choose. Yes. It's hard matter. I choose. I want. I wanted so much. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have money. I wanted to have a nice car. I wanted to have beautiful things. But I chose. Because that offer was made to me. It's not everybody who gets that offer. But when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you accepted something that came from heaven and now you're part of the kingdom of God. He will keep asking you to choose. How much further do you want to go in your salvation? Because if you don't keep going forward, you are regressing. There is no stagnation. Be careful. What you choose, who you choose, where you go, what church you go to. You think, oh, love you, love you, Jesus, now you'll take care of everything. Now, my, it won't be, she'll be right. Has it been, she'll be right now, till after now? You know, have you, has the devil blinded your eyes? 
that you can't see the mayhem and chaos of the history of mankind and what is going on right now that you can say she'll be right. She's not right. They want you. The demons want you. Where they are going and where they are already. When we seek to safeguard ourselves against anything, we lose our faith. Don't protect yourself. Don't protect yourself. Your protection comes from the Lord. The moment you try to protect yourself, God takes his hand off. He says, okay, you go ahead and do it. You diminish your faith by it. You cannot understand the ways of the Lord. You don't know how to make the right choices to go to the next level of walk with God. And that's the way he likes it. He likes the mystery of it. He's not telling us everything. And we have prayed, we have asked, we have begged, we have shouted, we have fasted, we have done everything, but we still haven't heard. But that doesn't mean he's not protecting us. That doesn't mean he's not telling us what to do. Dependence on God is imperative. One day Jesus was going in the boat across the Galilee uh, Sea, I think, and, and he was fast asleep in the boat, and the storm came and hit the boat. And the disciples all got scared, and they went and woke him up, and he, and he rebuked the disciples. He said, where is your faith? When the storm is hitting you and your boat is being rocked, my friends, you're going to be calling on the name of Jesus, all right? Up to then, you didn't call on his name, but then at that point in time, suddenly any God will do as long as they get you out of the situation. So we might as well try Jesus. You know how many people have come to the Lord who are dying of cancer or some other weird disease and they have tried everything under the sun? Like that woman with the issue of blood. So somebody says to them, why don't you try Jesus? So yeah, well, we might as well, we've tried everything else. And Jesus is so honorable and so gracious. He heals them. Not because of their faith. But because they came to him. He said he healed everyone who came to him. This is say whether they had faith or didn't have faith. Since everyone who came to him, he healed. If you go to Jesus, he will look after you. Dependence on God is imperative. When the Lord instructs us to go to a certain place or take up a certain mantle of responsibility, like Jonah, very often we also disobey. Now Jonah needed to go to the next level of his faith as a prophet of the nation, but he didn't know that it was, he was being set up by God for that. You and I are being set up by God to stay faithful in Calvary Assembly because of something that's coming, but many don't want to stay because they don't see the immediate results. Stay faithful and you will see. Jonah disobeyed. He took 
the ship to the other place and got caught in the storm, ended up in the belly of a fish, and there he repented after three days. Silly fellow took three days to repent. No one sat in the belly of a fish with all that liquid oil. But I, I don't think God gave him the opportunity to repent for three days. He said, nah, you wallow in this for three days. Right? And that's what's happening to us. You wallow. The Lord said, you wallow. You ask for it. You wallow in it. And you are begging God and you're praying on it. There's no answer. He said, no, wallow in it. I'm not ready to save you. Until you are depleted of all your pride and all your anger and all your frustrations and trying to demand God for something. So okay, now you might be ready. We gotta know who our God is. The choices in life should be to hunger and thirst more for God. Yeah. I don't want to spend time with God because it's boring. I don't want to spend time with God because I'm busy with my work. Busy with my family, busy with something else. I asked Mumbai on Friday night, I said, how long in a day do you spend time with God? Out of the people who were there that day, two said, one said two hours, one said one hour, and that was it. Nobody else said anything. Where can you get your sustenance from? If you are to carry on your life as a Christian, if you don't spend time with God. So reading His Word, praying, worshipping, seeking Him, doing the works of faith. You that's all spending time with God. You cannot get your sustenance from it. You cannot get sustenance from the world. The world will not give it to you. But the more you hunger and thirst after God, the presence of God comes. And it's manifest in so many ways. When I went to the Philippines, I didn't know God was setting me up to go to the next level. I didn't know that. We started in 2016 from here. Took David King and went from here. I didn't know what was going to happen. We had a three day seminar scenario going on there. There were about 60 to 70 people in the meeting, all Filipinos. I was staying with the pastor. And after I preached, I stood up and I gave an altar call. And they all started manifesting. They all started manifesting demons. Because there was so much, so much of promiscuity amongst them. Fornication, drugs, lesbianism, the whole bit. They all manifest. One woman had uh, gone and aborted a baby and she was sitting there, you know, in her guilt for years and years and years. She started manifesting like you would not believe. I said, God, what is this? I'm inadequate for this. He said, well, this is the next level, son. Take it or leave it. I said, thank you, I'll take it. So you choose, you choose where you want to be. In your faith, right? Then only then and only then will you begin to see the hand of God upon your life. I want to tell you something, you know, I have been rejected for my color 
I have been rejected for my status as an Indian. I have been rejected for my status as a person who worked in a job. I have been rejected for my ministry. I have been rejected every step away. Rejection all my life. I nearly got terminated in my mother's womb. So rejection started there. And I couldn't understand it. I said, what have I done? I haven't even said anything. People are rejecting me for the sake of rejecting me. They don't like my personality. They don't like me when I say something. They don't like the way I look or something else. You know what I decided? I said, I would not have any of this rubbish. It took me some time to work it out. After I had wallowed in my self-pity. After I had said, oh, uh, woe is me. And you know, I'm no good. And I'm not going to get anywhere. And you know, nobody likes me. Nobody loves me. Who does? But God kept talking to me. When I became a Christian, it became worse. Kept talking to me. He said, son, start making the right choices. So what's that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Well, guess what? It became worse. You thought it was getting better, wasn't it? No, it became worse. But through that, through making the right choices, the anointing increased, the presence of God increased, the power increased, the miracles increased, the salvations increased, the purposes of God increased in my life, the revelations of God increased in my life. And I, I can understand now the ways of the Lord, but, but I don't always understand. So I have decided that it's not about understanding the ways of the Lord. It's about accepting what He says that you should do. It's a choice I make. I Every day He puts it down as a choice. You can choose or you can go your way. We must obey His instructions or die. When the Jews refused the presence of the Lord, they died needlessly in the, in the wilderness. You know, many Christians are dying on the wine because they are like the Jews. They're seeking earthly things. They, they said, yeah, God is there, man. You know, let him be there. You know, when I need him, I'll go and talk to him. You know, I'm not saying he's not there, but I don't need him right now. I got more important things to take care of. And so we seek the world. You think God likes that? No, He doesn't like that. So He says, unless you are attached in John 15 to the mind, you don't receive sustenance and you don't bear fruit and you wonder why you're not bearing fruit, why things are not going your way, why things are not working out. Godly choices are prophetic corrections. Right? They come into your life at a certain point in time and you have to make a choice and it's a prophetic correction that means God is bringing you back into alignment into the plan that he had for your life which you walked away from or the devil attacked and tried to take it away from you distracted you somehow so he brings a prophetic correction by getting you to choose and when you do it brings you into the prepared place the prophetic is offered. We need to seek it. We need to get it. 
See, added to this, the trials of our faith would affect our choices. When it gets too tough, somebody is dying in India because they got burned by a mob of people. Why do they get burned by a mob of people? Because they are Christians. So they said, make a choice. <clears throat> Deny Jesus and you'll live, become a Hindu and you'll live, or get burned on the stake. And you think you know, it's not coming to you. I've been preaching now for six years at this place and I've been saying for the last four years, things are going to change in Australia, it's going to get really bad. It's come. We think life is going on as normal, but it isn't. We will start accepting God's choices for your life. And then start walking in it with a determination that you're going to fulfill it. You're going to say, no God, I'm going to follow what you have offered me. And I'm, it doesn't matter if I'm going to die in the process, I'm going to follow you. That's a hunger and a thirst in your spirit. So I'm just at the point of the value of decisions for myself. Maybe some of you are. You know, you've got something you're going to make decide on. That's called the value of decisions. Is this for you? Is this not for you? Is it of God? Is it not of God? Questions are being raised. But answers are not necessarily forthcoming. But then you have to take the choice. And that's going to have to be by your prayer life. By you seeking God. And I reject the world every time the world gives me an offer. God said to me, you know though you are not to do business under any circumstances. And I love to do business. And you know what? Offer after offer after offer comes even into my mind right now. It comes. Why does it come? Because the world is throwing you into it. Say, leave this all. Let, let's let's make let's split it. Let's do half ministry, half business. And it, it, it doesn't work because you're called that way. You're called according to the choices of God, and you must walk in that calling. You must must walk so that you get to your destiny. The temptations will come. But we keep rejecting the world's choices to do that. Value of decisions. Daniel came to a valley. You have to come to that place. Everybody loves a mountaintop experience. But to go to the next mountain that's higher, you might have to pass through that. Amen. I just feel that there's some people here right now. And I say, and I'm saying this to you in the spirit. That you are in the valley of decisions. And the Lord would say to you, my child, follow my instructions. They are simple and they bring life. Do not make the wrong choice. See, the world has made its choice. 
The world has made its choice. I don't want to be found before the Father and said, no, you know, I made the wrong choice. So what's, in finishing, what's the future for the church? Not our church, but the church worldwide. I was talking to my friend, pastor friend in India, and I said to him, relief is not coming. Relief is not coming. From here on, it's downhill. You may get a window. I don't know how long the window may be. They talk about worldwide revival and thousands of millions can be saved. That may be a golden time. What, what about you and me? Where are we going to be in our walk with God? Relief is not coming from us. From here on, it's a determination, it's a hard yakka to win the soul and to keep your own soul. Work out your salvation with fear and trouble. What is coming is that families are going to be estranged more than ever before. It's already in a bad shape, it's going to get worse. Husbands and wives are going to find themselves in great conflict. If they do not make the Lord their God and of their marriage, you're going to find yourself in great conflict. You'll be pulled apart. Parents and children, parents and children, pulled apart, pulled apart. There are tens of thousands of kids out there in the street. In Sydney alone, when I was living in Sydney, those days, we're talking 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the kids used to leave the towns and come to Sydney, thinking they're going to get a better life. End up as drug addicts and prostitutes and being raped and killed and murdered. And they used to sleep in the salvation clothes bin to escape getting whacked at night by someone. Mm. At that time, there were 3,000 on the streets when Australia was only about 18 million in population. Today, Australia has 29 or so million people. How many more do you think are out there on the streets? Because of bad choices. Because they decided that they would do something that is not godly because they were not brought up by the parents in the right way in the first place. And when there was estrangement in the family, the parents didn't know how to handle it, so they let it go. And countless numbers are committing suicide all over the world. He said, no, but where is the good news? Well, the good news is Jesus, my friend. The good news is that if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you will get saved and He will bless you and He will lead you in the path that you must go. But if you don't make that decision and if you don't keep that decision and start looking for worldly stuff, you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to have sorrow and pain. You're not going to be able to make the right decisions in life. Or take the right choices concerning your family. The breakdown of society today is through bad choices that has led to confusion. So let me conclude with this. As for me and my house, hear me this morning. 
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the choice I have made. And I've taught my family to do that. I have impressed it upon them at great cost, at great conflict. That this life, that this marriage, this family that I have is not out of my decision. It is what has been given to me to protect, to keep, to honor, and to bring before God at the end of the day. So also this church. Because you are my family. So I honor, I protect, and I do what I have to do to protect this church at great cost. And the devil is attacking every day. Who cares? Let him attack. But he cannot touch us till God says so. Because as for me and this house, we will serve the Lord. It's up to you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this evening, this morning, this wonderful time of fellowship that you have given us in your word and all the other things that you have done throughout this morning. We ask that your blessings, Lord, of revelation and truth and decision-making processes come upon us through your word, that, that precious word that is the illumination we need, the lamp and the light to our feet and our path. We thank you, Father, that, Lord, not one of us will miss out on what you are saying to the church in these last days. And that we will understand our prophetic calling and the utterances over our lives that need to be outworked by the manifestation of your word to our spirits. Thank you for blessing everyone this morning and that they will walk in the valley of decisions, hearing the voice of God. This is the way walking in it. And when they make those choices, Lord, be with them, Father. Be with them, I pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. If anybody needs prayer this morning, please feel free to come forward. And we will pray for you.